Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is a restaurant owner in Seattle called Bigfoot Longs. Before he was in Seattle, he uh, grew up in Georgia. He was a combat medic in the Navy, and he also uh, got a degree in graphic design from the Art Institute of San Diego. It's my pleasure to have the one and only Jeffy Red. How's it going? Good. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. So I want to I want to start by getting into your background. It seems like you've you've had an interesting life. So, um, what was it like growing up in Georgia? Um, you know, I uh, I grew up uh, at the first part of it, kind of on a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, my granddad uh, he raised cattle for selling just selling them. We never had any kind of crazy stuff going on on the mm-hmm. farm. We just like get rid of go go to these. Uh, cattle fairs and you know they'd auction off these cows and he had a lot of uh he grew a lot of corn and stuff like that and you know it was like hanging out on uh tractors and hell yeah stuff like that for most of my youth and yeah so how did how did you go from growing up on a farm to being interested in going into the the military is that like a thing that runs in your family or how did that work out well Kind of, but not really. Like, uh, my stepdad was, uh, in the army. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and he never really was like, you should join the army or anything like that. Um, uh, but, uh, when I was a senior in high school, it was, uh, 2002 and it was just like, I graduated like right after nine 11. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of like patriotism and stuff going on around that time. And, it seemed like to me, uh, I definitely knew I wanted to get out of Georgia mm-hmm. and just like travel the world. And it seemed like the best way to do that. I wanted to be a doctor too. Ooh. And, uh, so like I, I ran into this recruiter in the, in the Walmart parking lot and he was <laughs> like, Hey boy, what you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm like, well, you know, I, I kind of want to be a doctor, but, uh, he's like, where well, are you, you, you going to? You got a, a good college. I'm like, no, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. My family's like super poor. And he's all, what, what, uh, how about a $60,000 scholarship? And we'll, mm. we'll teach you to be a doctor. And I was like, wow, that sounds like a pretty quick way to get, you know, get that done. And also, and he's like, he's like, don't you want to serve your country too? And, you know, I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. You know, he, he really kind of reeled, reeled me in with that. And, um, yeah. So I just joined the military from, from that. Damn, how long were you in the military for? The the absolute minimum obligated <laughs> amount of time, uh, five years. Awesome. Um, it's uh, normally four years, um, but uh, my school to be a medic was a, a year long, which is like the the longest uh, uh, like kind of training course. So they add an extra year onto your like mm. service. So what was that like being a medic in the military? What is school like, first of all? Is that like, is it different than going to like UW Medicine? Um, I didn't go to UW Medicine, Fair so enough. I wouldn't know. But um, I, I think it's like our training was kind of similar to what, you, you know, in once you get out of what you would probably get out of like a... Um, like an emergency uh, medical technician, like mm-hmm. an ambulance uh, type of person, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's really strange. Uh, you know, you'll hear this from a lot of veterans, but um, your your training and the, the stuff that you are taught in the military, it kind of, it just doesn't translate m- almost any of the time. Wow. 
Um, so you get out and you're like, hey, you know, I've uh, I've given immunizations to babies. I draw, uh, you know, I've, you know, worked in Iraq as emergency medical technician. And they're like, where is your paperwork? And there's no, it, it's just not, they don't give you like documents, you know, wow. saying, oh, you're, you know how to do this, this, this. Um, when you're like a medic in the Navy, it's like, they'll ship you to a place and then it's like OJT. You have like the basic skills and, you know, like they shipped me immediately to a pediatric clinic and mm. uh, I worked there for like a year and then they were like, you know, they can pull you if you're a combat medic. So I went to combat medical training right after medical school, which is like, yeah, that was kind of crazy. You know, I'm, I'm like, a, I, I was like Navy. So I was right. like, okay, that's going to be cool. You know, it's not going to be a lot of screaming and, you know, people like, you know, like on the ground troops, it's mm -hmm. like ship, you know? Uh, but then they're like, yeah, but also you have to go to this, uh, Marine Corps, you know, <laughs> oh, medic shit. training. And then you're like crawling through like mud and you're like, you know, under barbed wire and they're shooting fake guns all, all over the top of you. And you're like, I didn't sign up for this, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. Seems but like it. immediately after the, uh, um, uh, pediatric clinic, I'm in there for like about seven months and they're like, Oh, we're calling you. You're going to Iraq. So it's like <sighs> from one extreme to the other, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Especially right after nine 11. That's like, yeah, that was a crazy time to join. Yeah, I went to uh, Fallujah during uh, in 2004, 2005. It was like the takeover of Fallujah. Jeez, it was See, pretty pretty wild. Did you expect that when you first signed up? Did you think it was going to be this intense as a comment? no? I literally I had a conversation with the guy, and I was I was really hesitant. Mm. Like I was kind of like, man, I don't really know. I don't really know. I never thought I'd be like a military dude. I was always kind of like you know i had i i had like a little camcorder you know growing up i like mm -hmm. saved all my gas i uh, know my gas money my uh grass cutting money and uh bought like a little camcorder and i was kind of like a little little jackass guy you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like running around with my friends and i just never thought i'd be that and he was like uh, hey you know i was like i just don't want to get shot at i just want to provide like medical care for the people that are, have gotten shot you know mm -hmm. and he's like oh, don't worry about that son you're going to be in a on a ship a uh, uh, 100 miles offshore you know you don't even worry about it oh, um uh, i'm like okay well that sounds good and you know then immediately after um you know medical school i get orders and i go to this thing and they're like oh actually you know you know you're like ground troops you're mm. running with the guys that are cuz the marine corps doesn't have its own branch of uh uh, a, a medical branch oh, uh, and the marine corps is a branch of the navy so the navy provides medics and they train them to like provide medical care while being shot at or and to defend yourself and they teach you how to like use a lot of different weapons you know mm. so that you can like defend yourself right so i'm guessing like any branch you basically have to know how to use a weapon like unless there's like a yeah. technical branch maybe but they maybe teach you how to them. do all kinds of all kinds of crazy stuff they're like you know, once a year, you got to go like in the gas chamber and they just gas the hell out of you. Oh, and you, you, the, the training is to be able to clear to, to dawn and, and put, push the button and, you know, you, you, uh, get the gas out of the inside of the mask. And it's kind of like, 
to train you how to like react in these types of situations, you know? Wow. So they gas you and uh, you like put on your gas mask and you're like, clear. And they're like, all right, you're good to go. And then you walk out and you're like, <laughs> wow. you know, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so you probably had one idea before you got into the military. Yes. I'm guessing you told your family one idea as well. So as soon as you got shipped off though, what was that like telling your family that? Oh man, my mom was so worried and everybody was really worried. Um, I'm, I was worried every day, every day that I was there, I was terrified, you know? Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. You made it out, man. I made it out, dude. I like, that's like my, one of my proudest things in my life. I don't know. I don't know if it was like, it was just pure luck really, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but we were, you know, I was with a bunch of really talented, um, like brave dudes, Mm -hmm. some pretty good dudes. Kind of remind me of like uh, Forrest Gump, maybe a little bit. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a huge inspiration for me growing up. I'm like, man, that dude does everything. <laughs> <laughs> so was there was there any thought that you're like at the end that you wanted to go back into the military? Or were you, Absolutely you were not, man. I, after um, during boot camp, I was like, oh, wow. what did what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And I made a huge mistake, and then it mm-hmm. was like. Turn after turn, it's like, oh, you're going to combat medical training. I'm like, what? Mm. That sounds like, and they're like showing us a video, and I'm like, man, that looks like shit, dude. <laughs> that looks like, ah, I don't want to do this, you know. Damn. And then you're going, and then I'm going to Iraq. I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, why, what, what did I get myself into? What's like a wild story that you remember from being a combat medic? Um, like, uh, I mean. So this one, you know, what we did was, uh, I I was like a medic for these guys. They were they rode in these um, uh, Humvees okay. that had like a, a, a turret turret in the top with a you know fifty cal gun and a, I think it was called a Mark nineteen or yeah Mark nineteen. So big big bullets that are like grenades, you know. Damn. And we would uh, go before they entered into the city. We'd go up and down and we'd just like all day long we'd just be going back and forth on this road um it's kind of like a two-lane highway um and it just go all the way around and and go on the other side and go all the way back there's a dirt median and basically we were just looking for ieds um because they'd have convoys coming from kuwait i think it was to our camp fallujah which Mm. was like the camp they had built in the outskirts of the city and uh we would find bombs all the time, uh, but we uh, we were patrolling one night, and we would do this all night too. And it'd be uh, you know at night it's like all green because you you got in, uh, night vision goggles, right? right. Um, so you're looking at all this stuff in in green, and it's like super creepy. But uh, we this one night we see this like it's crazy because it's just like a little they they'll it'll be like brown just like the ground because they camouflage these things but we've mm-hmm. memorized the roads you know so we we'll, we'll see these things and we're like something's up something is up mm-hmm. you know and uh we uh we patrolled we we got out and we saw this thing and we had one uh, like line of guys going out into the kind of desert because this road is just like that you know you're in the middle of the desert right you know? And kind of going way out around this thing and we're on the other side of the median and uh this thing just like boom you know just mm. goes off and then it's just like pure white 
and your night vision goggles and I'm like on the ground, my ears ringing, just like Saving Private Ryan, that, 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 that kind of famous scene. It's yeah. like, it was just like that. It was just like, Wee! you yeah. know, and I blown my eardrum, but like I had, once I kind of like come to, I heard like a guy yelling for doc and it was this, uh, one of our like group leaders. Um, he really funny dude. I love this guy, but, uh, he had, a he had just had this huge, like not huge, but probably like three inch gash. That's pretty huge. Yeah. 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 And his, uh, and his leg was just like wide open and you know, bright red and not really even bleeding, but just like, it was just like, whoa. And it was the first time we had, because this is in the very beginning. This is before we entered the city and we're doing all that type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like our first, all of our first time. And he was the only one that was hurt. And we were just like, everybody else okay? Everybody else okay? Everybody's fine. And we're like, we gotta get the hell out of here, you know? And it was just like immediate, like, just like they taught me, you know, when you get like a, a wound like this, it's like pressure dressing um, and then just elevate. So we put through him in the back of the Humvee and had his like leg up, you know, my arm. We just like got Dang. got back into the uh, base and they treated him, sewed it up and everything was fine. But uh, yeah, that was just like Whoa. the first, the one of the first kind of like contacts we had. Holy shit. And that guy is lucky he has his legs still. I know. Whoa. Yeah. That's that's so wild to think about that. Like, oh my I just feel I feel so safe just we take for granted the things just here in America. Like I'm just able to like live my life doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah. You're, like, that's your first experience in the Dang. That is that is so wild. I mean, that's like the that's just like the probably the most tame I could think yeah, of. Yeah, that's the, I can only imagine. So how how long did it take for you to, or maybe you're just not a queasy person in general, or how long, if you aren't, if you are a queasy person, how long did it take you to get over seeing things like that? Oh, you don't, you, you kind of like, uh, when you're doing this medical training, it's, it's like, you're, this is all you do. Mm. Um, it's like your job and they, it is like you, you, it's like repetition, repetition. So like when it happens, at least this is how it happened for me. Cause I was always, you're always terrified that you're going to make a mistake because you, these people's lives are in your hands, you know? Mm. But when the shit like goes down, it's like we've gone over this like a million times and everything was just like, uh, 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 uh. it was just like I I just knew where everything was in my pack. And, Ooh. you know, it was just like I, I just you just react and you just take care of the thing. And it's like you're not even thinking about like being queasy or, mm. you know, whatever. You're just, you know, you're just doing the thing that you need to do you know dang i wonder <clears throat> i wonder what the chances are though if how much training you have and then you just go blank that has that ever happened to people do you feel like i i guarantee it happens because mm. like when like some of these type of like uh firefights and stuff it's just like there's too much go- there's a lot going on and you're like looking all around you or whatever i could see you getting scared for mm. sure so what do you think of like military movies or like call of duty or anything like that do you think it's silly or do you i'm not i just like don't play video games really but uh military movies i don't you know i think they're silly they're stories you know you want to you know people want to hear those stories too um i like one of the closest ones uh was uh was that one about the bomb squad with jeremy renner oh shoot 
That wasn't Hurt Locker. What was it? Hurt Locker. It wasn't yeah. like okay. Hurt Locker was like real, and Jarhead was like like real, like it was just like wow, that's exactly how it is. Mm. Especially the Jarhead stuff. Damn. But uh, yeah, Hurt Locker had a lot of the yeah, like the just like. It, it it's mostly like jarhead really right. it's like uh you know a lot of it's like a lot of downtime with um a lot of camaraderie and uh you know getting in fights with each other but like a lot of like hanging out with your with the dudes and you know being you know it's a lot of camaraderie it's like kind of like good and some sometimes and and then the next thing you know it's just like bad Mm. You know, and then you're like, you, you, it's back. It's a lot of back and forth like that. So, you, so you get out of the military. Do you think that changes your perspective to <clears throat> about art? Because you still, you still end up going to school. But like, if you're seeing all this stuff, like, how do you still be like, I want to be creative after experiencing this stuff for five years? I mean, uh, I, uh, I think that um, art therapy is like one of the best types of therapy. Mm. I'm a huge proponent of it. And I think that like, you know, it's like should be used a lot of, a lot of like, just like veteran kind of like helping veterans out, you mm. know, um, that's kind of like where I go when I am sad, you know, I, you know, go to drawing or, you know, doing, you know, some type of art. Um, I don't know if you've, you've, uh, seen my uh, yarn art that I do. You yarn art? Yeah, I, got, I didn't even see that. So I have like a, this thing called Yarns and Noble. Okay. It's a, a hand hammer uh, nails into wood and connect it with yarn and make images. How have I not seen that? What the heck? I need to check that out. That yeah, sounds you should. dope. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, art therapy and actual therapy is you know definitely good. But um, uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. So, what made you decide to go to school for art then? At the, in the end, for graphic design. Well, because I had always wanted to be like a real well, that, and I was just like, okay, I made it through. I made it, you know, past Iraq. I don't want to do any more medical stuff. I don't want to do any more serious stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to do, I was like, I don't care if this is a huge mistake. It's better. It. It's like, I deserve this. And I, this is kind of like my, I had like, I felt like a second lease on life after finally getting done with the military, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to do for the rest of my life. If I'm, if I'm not happy, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've skipped, I've, I've, I've done a lot of different types of jobs over the years. Um, but, uh, I, so I was like, I'm going to do a fun job and I'm going to try to be an artist, like a serious artist. Dang. And so that's why I went to art school. How was that? Did you, was it what you expected versus? It wasn't quite what I expected. Okay. Um, I was like hoping to come out with more, um, uh, like, actual skills mm -hmm. like uh you know we didn't have as many we had more like theory classes which now in hindsight i'm like actually those actually probably helped me out quite a bit you know even though i thought they were boring and i was like oh, i want to do you know i want to be on photoshop or mm -hmm. i want to be on illustrator right now um uh they actually helped me out quite a bit and so yeah i my uh my degree in graphic design i mean you know if you look at big foot lungs, it's pretty, you know, it's helped me out. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. <clears throat> so what is like some, 
theory behind graphic design? Is it like what attracts oh, people or something? Or? Yeah, just what like visually things that are visually pleasing, and it's all mm. about like symmetry and a asymmetric type of art, all kinds of just like just I don't know. It was it was a lot yeah. <laughs> really. It was like it was like oh so boring. Mm. So you, so you graduate and you're in San Diego. And then what happens in between? So like how long yeah, from so graduating I, to I graduated Seattle? in like 2011 okay. and I was in San Diego and I was like, okay, I I got a, a job at this uh, place called Modern Postcard. It's okay. a really big print shop in uh, San Diego. And I worked there for like three years. It was all pre-print production, not a lot of creativity, bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was just like, man, this is not, this isn't art. This is just, you know, what you, what it is, is like you get, you get a file and it's a, it's a person that doesn't know how to put this stuff together. And they're like, I got all these pictures. I got all these words. Can you do, can you do it? And I want it, I want it right here in this corner. I want, you know, they give you exactly what it, what it is. And, And a lot of times it's already been put together and all you have to do is look at it and make sure it has all the stuff that's ready to run through the printer, you know, Mm -hmm. super boring. And, uh, so I was just like, okay, I, and it didn't pay that well either because, uh, I think, you know, uh, uh, the art Institute got like a lot of, a lot of flack for this too, or whatever. They're just like, just churning out like graphic designers like, you know, it's like a hundred people graduating every, you know, quarter. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's like in San Diego, it was like the most, I think it was like $15, $16 an hour. Mm. Last time I, like I was just, when I left at that time. After graduating. Yeah. Wow. And you're like, okay. And I worked my, my way up to kind of like one of the senior kind of editors there. And I just was like, still not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And my buddy, um, one of my best friends, he was like working in construction and he was like, dude, I, I'm getting paid like 50 bucks an hour right now. Yeah. And he's like, we're hiring too. And it's super easy. And I was like, dude, and I remember going on this like long hike and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to go on this hike. I'm going to make this like really big decision to either, you know, just quit and take a construction job and try to like work on some art. And I had the idea for uh, Yarns and Noble at this time. And I was like, kind of like working on it. And I really thought I had something, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, so I quit my job and started working for them. And, uh, and construction was like one of the best jobs I ever had. I really love working in construction. It's a lot of opportunities to like, you know, just, it's like OJT too, you know, you'll, it'll be like, okay, well we need this, you know, lift to be operated or this like weird thing. And you're like, okay, I'll get in there. And it's like super easy. Yeah. Like, you know, these levers, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I can operate that. And next thing you know, you're up in the air and you're like, hell yeah, this is fun. <laughs> you know? Um, and it paid like really well. Um, so I did that for like two years and I uh, ended up, um, I was in a relationship and she was, uh, she got accepted in a UW for her uh, master's mm. social work. And uh, we didn't want to break up. And I was like kind of looking for an adventure. I'd been in San Diego for like eight years at that time. And yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just move up there and find a construction job. And uh, like, that's kind of what the beauty of construction and Wow. jobs where you can do on the job training, you know, like you can just go somewhere and figure it out. So I, we moved up here and, uh, I was like, 
it's kind of it was kind of weird. Like so, we moved up here and it was like raining like crazy. Yeah, and I was like, man. When we visited, it was all sunshiny and everything, and I was like, and people were like, it doesn't rain, you know, like it, it like sprinkles, you know, whatever. But and it's kind of true for the most part. But um, but the day we moved up here, it was like you couldn't even see like if your windshield wipers, our windshield wipers were going like right. as fast as they could, and we still couldn't see. And it was just like big fat. And it was just like what the hell? It's like, man, I'm not going to get out there and work in construction with this type of stuff going on. So it's like I'm start. I started to like look at different things, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, at the time we were, I was like staying. We were both staying in this hotel. We haven't hadn't even found a um, a place to stay yet. Dang. We had two. We had a uh, another couple, and we were gonna like rent a two bedroom house. And so we were like looking for the perfect place. We were staying in a hotel down by uh, um, by down by the airport. Okay. Like, yeah. SeaTac. Yeah. Yeah. SeaTac. And uh, this com- Citibank commercial came on for um, uh, Eduardo Jordan, who was who's a chef of uh, June Baby, mm-hmm. and it was the Citibank commercial was all about like him being starting out as a dishwasher and like working his way up and um, you know learning from you know doing little things and then next thing you know he's a chef and then next thing you know he gets a loan at Citibank and boom uh, he has his own restaurant yeah. And I was like, damn, you know, <laughs> like if you can start from washing dishes, I can wash dishes. I can just start there. Yeah. And then, and I was like, damn, I, I wrote like when I grew up, like one of my like heroes was uh, Emeril Lagasse. I don't okay. know if you know who he is. Mm-mm, tell me about him. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. It was like a phenomenon <laughs> okay. back in the day, but he was, he was Italian uh, cook and uh, he was on like the Food Network, and his big thing was be, would be like, "I'm gonna kick it up a notch, bam!" <laughs> and he just like throw some like salt or I can't remember what the hell he threw on it, but I would just be like walking around and just be like, "Bam!" <laughs> Scaring the hell out of my mom, you know. Um, and uh, I was like, "Man, I you know when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Food Network." And uh, I remember my mom like overhearing my mom talking to one of her friends mm-hmm. and she was like, I don't know what's wrong with that boy. All he wants to do is watch Emerald Lagasse and the Food Network. He wants a, he wants a, uh, um, George Foreman grill for Christmas. And I was like, what the hell? All that stuff is cool. So <laughs> like, what is she talking about? That stuff's cool. <laughs> you know? So I was kind of like embarrassed, um, when I was younger and, one of the, and it was one of the things when I was younger. I was asking when I was talking to my mom. Mm-hmm. I was like, she was like, well, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "So what if I was like a chef, you know?" And uh, she was like, "What are you going to do? Work at McDonald's?" Because mm-hmm. like that's the only like there's a McDonald's, there's a Dairy Queen, and a Sonic, and then a couple of like like hometown like mm. places in my in my hometown so you're like a small you're in a small it's a small <laughs> hometown it's like two two miles wide in all directions Whoa. there's always been this place called taylor's barbecue okay. that's just worldwide well no one knows about it in the, in the world except for the people in my hometown but it's <laughs> like like i've been all over the world and it's like the best barbecue hell yeah um but other than that you know they're they're like family type people so it's like what i'm not going to be the chef there mm-hmm. and so you know she in her mind she was thinking like she's always like like a home like a, a southern mm. you know a person that's grown up in that same hometown and she's thinking small town mm. 
And, uh, you know, I've always been like big town, sort of bigger thinking, but I, I kind of like was like, oh, she's got a point back then. But when I like saw that commercial, I, you know, it inspired me. And uh, literally it was like, I don't know, coincidence or fate or whatever. Um, I had made a, a, I was, I, someone up in Seattle had a yarn piece and they requested it um, and uh, I made it for them and I delivered it to their house. And they're like, hey, I know I, if you're still looking for a job, because I had posted on uh, Instagram that I was like in Seattle and looking for a job. Yeah. And uh, they were like, oh, I want a piece. So I made the piece. And they're like, "Are you? if you're still looking for a job, I heard about this dishwashing mm. position from my friend uh, at this uh, German restaurant downtown. And I was like, damn. So I just took it as kind of fate, and yeah. I was just like, "All right, I'm going to do it." And uh, so I, and it was plus I needed a job, and so it was like, mm. if, if anything, I could just go, I could just quit a dishwasher job, no problem. Right. So I can just do it in the meantime or whatever. And uh, so I, I just started, and yeah, it's kind of like the rest is history for from there. That's awesome. That's that does sound like fate. Yeah. Dang. That's so, happened a couple of times in my career where I've been like, man, I would really like to learn how to do X. And then the next thing you know, someone's like, hey, we have a ice cream position. Do you want, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. want to come work making ice cream? And I'm like, I was just thinking about, you know, I had an idea for, uh, you know, Cherry and the Hendersons for Bigfoot Longs. You probably don't know Cherry and uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-mm. It's a movie from the eighties too. Okay. Um, it's a it's a Bigfoot movie. Oh wait, no, I do, I do, I knew yeah, that. Yeah, starring yes. Jonathan yeah, Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jonathan Lithgow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had the I was like, oh, Cherry and the Hendersons, that'd be hilarious. And um, just like right after that, I heard about this ice cream position, and I was like, damn. Oh, wow. I could I could do this and learn how to make ice cream and I could make Cherry and the Hendersons and come up with some more Bigfoot ice cream flavors, you know. Definitely Forrest Gump over here. <laughs> <laughs> so Bigfoot Longs, before we, uh, yeah, let's get into Bigfoot Longs then. So I'm guessing you know because we're in the Pacific Northwest how like big, Bigfoot's a big thing. Is that how yeah. you first got the idea of that? or how Yeah, that for sure. Be? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that like... When I first got, well, how I got the idea for uh, Bigfoot Longs is uh, I, I had gone home to visit my mom and uh, my my dad and I, we don't hang out that often. We don't talk that much, but he had this like uh, um, hot dog cart that uh, he was trying to get rid of. And yeah. I just, it, it was like a, it was like a trailer, but it had like a grill on the back and it did have like a sink. But you could just automatically tell because I worked in Seattle for a bit of time at Mm -hmm. at this point. You just could tell that it wouldn't fly in Seattle, like code wise. Mm. Um, So I knew it would be like, man, I'm not going to, I can't take this because it just won't, I wouldn't even be able to, I wouldn't have anywhere to put it even. It'd be like a huge hassle to to try to find a place to put it. And I didn't have a hot dog idea at the point Mm -hmm. in time either, you know, so I was just like, what am I but um, so I, I was just like, no, 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 sorry, I just I just can't take it. And I got uh, back to Seattle 
Um, but because he was like, really, he was like, man, he was like, boy, you take this to a football game out here, you park it out there, you make a thousand dollars a night. I'm telling you, just he's like, just boiled hot dogs, and you get the regular ass bread from the from the grocery store. I'm like, thousand dollars sounds like, but then I'm like, I'm like in my head, I'm kind of doing the math a little bit, and I'm like, it could be if there was like, you know you know, 800 people show up and there's no food or whatever, you yeah, know, or, yeah. or they're looking for hot dogs or there's a line or whatever, you know, but, and I was, I was a sous chef at this place called Jones Brothers and I was sitting down there doing inventory and I was doing, uh, I was doing orders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, um, I was like, but I was kind of daydreaming a little bit too. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, you know, if I was going to do a, a hot dog place, it had to be kind of special, you know? I had had all this, like a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, assignments in college were like, think of a new restaurant Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then you'll have to design the menu for it. And it's all about just designing the menu and coming up with the logo and all that type stuff. So like, just do that all the time after college anyways, just always thinking about like stuff like that. Um, so I'm like, if I were going to do a hot dog joint, it'd have to be a special hot dog joint. Wouldn't just be my dad's boiled hot dog you gotta blow him out of the water you yeah. know um uh so how am i gonna be way better than my dad <laughs> <laughs> right and so i go okay well what are the types of special hot dogs out there and at first i was like oh you got your chili dogs and your chicago dogs and i was thinking about um you know i was like what kind of what are my favorite types of hot dogs and mm. when i was Growing up, uh, we did only have the Sonic. I mean, we didn't have the we didn't have the Sonic until I was like twelve. Got it. And it, it they they brought it in town. It was like it was like the huge thing. It was like holy crap! This is like the they, you know, they, literally there's nothing to do in this town. Right, there's like right. houses, uh, you know, like it's residential basically only. So like when you got Sonic, it's like whoa, there's neon signs and you can actually pull up and mm-hmm. you know this and that. You know, it's kind of like an attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was obsessed with the foot long chili cheese coney <laughs> and I was just like, man, these are the best things ever. And I'd get my, I'd do my little, uh, cut my grass, you know, have my little allowance and I'd like get myself a cheese coney and I'd love like watching movies. And so I just go back to my house and it was like literally like a block away from my house. So oh, I was allowed yeah. to like walk there and get something and come back like a, a freeze or whatever. Can I see? Um, but this one time I was like, all right. And I was like, I'm going to do two. I'm going to do foot long, two foot longs. And I got myself like really sick, <laughs> way too much, too much hot dogs. But anyways, so like foot long hot dogs have always been in my memory. And I was like, Ooh, what if I did an only foot long hot dog place? Mm-hmm. And they're all foot long. I was like, is that a thing? So I, I, you know, I'm already in the computer. So I Google it. Like I couldn't find really anywhere that only did footlong hot dogs. And so then I was like, are there, I was like, okay, are there footlong, are there places that sell footlong hot dogs on, um, uh, where I can order them? Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find footlong hot dogs on anywhere to order. And then I was like, what about footlong buns? Couldn't find those either. Mm. Like there's a market. They don't even have, they can't, they don't even have them to buy. So if I could find somehow to make them, then I have a thing here. So I'm like, what am I going to call this thing? I'm like, this is kind of a good idea, but I got to have a special name, you know? So I'm like, what am I going to call this? Like, they're they're big, they're long, they're like the biggest, 
biggest long foot longs and like big foot longs bigfoot ah. it, was, it just happened just like that in like like two seconds like oh bigfoot longs hell yeah and it's bigfoot themed and then immediately it was just like an explosion of like what it could be mm-hmm. because it just so like i don't know like a bigfoot thing footlong hot dog it just sounds fun yeah you know um so yeah that's just kind of like how i came up with the name and it all it, it i worked from there i was like i came up with this around my birthday and i was like i'm gonna make this happen on my birthday and so I'm, what year is this this is like five this is like six years ago oh wow yeah i've had this idea for a while and i've been working on it for for many years um uh and so i went to the the head chef and i told him about the idea and i was like do you know how to like make like make hot dogs mm-hmm. and he was all dude i worked at uh the french laundry in the charcuterie place uh, you know french laundry yeah. is like a big deal yeah and he's like yeah we all we need is a smoker and immediately he was just like we got it. this is so cool this is so cool and he like literally bought a smoker and he's like he's like we're smoking hot dogs and so we 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 he showed me how to like stuff and smoke we smoke these hot dogs and uh the reason why i got him on board too is i was like where i parked was right in front of this bakery that i love called uh tall grass bakery okay um it's in ballard <clears throat> and i was like I wonder if I just could talk to the the chef and or the baker and see if they could bake me some footlong buns. Mm. And I I asked them and they were like, "Yeah, sure, we'll do it." I was like, "Whoa. That was way easier than I thought." And so I went and told the chef and he's like, "Seriously? They're just going to do it?" There's I was like, "Yeah, they're going to make the first batch for free like eight wow. like a sample, you know?" And so he's like, "All right." And he bought a smoker and then we like hung out, we smoked the hot dogs. I went and picked up the buns and it was like my birthday and and we like all ate these foot long hot dogs. It was just like with the fresh bread, it was just so good. Mm. Um, Cause they were still like warm in the pack, you know, just, we toasted them and just ketchup and mustard. And, uh, and it was just like, man, I got to do this, like really do this. And so it was like, after that it was like a lot of quiet, time in my house um doing a lot of drawings doing a lot of concepts um i made a lot of the art like mm-hmm. the yarn art pieces i made yarn art pieces for each hot dogs but the idea i always wanted to do this full menu completely made out of the, my yarn art mm-hmm. um so yeah so i wanted to get a couple of like four or five of them before i like you know started showing people and you know it was all about like Okay, getting the uh, copy, you know, get the trademark for the name, you know, before anybody else gets the idea. It was, I was kind of like really secretive about it at mm-hmm. first, you know, um, getting the website and getting enough stuff on the website because I didn't want to grab people's attention with it and then lose them. You know, I wanted to grab them and have somewhere for them to to stay. So it was like really important to get like a little mailing list going in the beginning um, so people would know when I could do it. And mm-hmm. yeah. So is there like a... What's the market like for hot dogs in Seattle? Is there like multiple businesses or would, are you one of the few businesses? There's a, there's a couple of businesses out there doing uh, hot dog stuff. Mm. Um, there's like a Scooby-Doo truck. Oh, out there. there. No idea. Um, I haven't really had the, what is it called? Well, they, got, like, they got a whole van that looks like a Scooby-Doo van. It's kind of cool looking. 
Um, uh, nobody's doing their own bread though. Yeah. You know, I'm out here. I'm really out here. So (laughs) is it, are you still working with that specific bakery or how does that? No, no, no. So the, that was just like, uh, you know, I worked with them for a good while after Mm. that, but you just knew that it wasn't going to be able to be sustainable. Mm. You know, I'm just like asking for like a (laughs) hundred buns. It's like its own business. Making the buns is its own business in itself. That's why like I had, I had to eventually learn how to do it myself. And I, so like I went, I started, I immediately after Jones Brothers, I was, uh, I was just kind of like asked if I could do this position making bread, Hmm. um, basically being the baker. And I was like, I'm not, I don't, my background was in pasta. My, my, I had worked at two, I'd been in the industry for about four and a half years at this point. And I'd worked mostly in pasta after the, the dishwasher, the dishwasher position was like, I was like, man, this is too easy. And immediately I learned how to do the fries. And within like four months, I was like working on the line with those guys. Mm. Um, it just, I just took to it naturally. Mm. Um, uh, you know, any, anything that I have like a lot of fun with, I just like not to like be like whatever, but you know, I'm just kind of like, if I have a lot of fun with it, I'm going to be pretty good at it. And that's how it should be, you know? Yeah. So you did like the actual, what is that thing called? Where you like crank out the pasta stuff? Did you do it like that? No. Uh, well, you know, there's, I worked in like a professional kitchen and I learned from like a guy that made professional pasta. So he had like a lot of like uh, techniques and he had like a pasta sheeter mm-hmm. and he actually had an extruder, um, which is uh, basically like, you know, when you do, when you, when you're a kid and you use that um, Play-Doh machine mm-hmm. and you put a shape on the end of it and you squish out like a star, yeah. you know? Well, it's like a, it's like that, but you, you empty a bunch of stuff into the top of it and you have like a little thing and it'll push out, you know, bucatini or um, spaghetti or whatever. Mm. But, you know, with a, with a pasta sheeter, it's like, you know, when you see people feeding the pasta through it and it's like a electric or whatever, mm. not the, not the hand crank one. Got but, it. Uh, yeah. And then it's all about shaping it. It's, it's very similar to playing with uh Play-Doh. So it's like really fun job making pasta. Um, but uh, I was just like, well, I had this idea for Big Footlongs. And then these guys are like, can you do it? We'll, we'll teach you how to do everything you need to know. I'll show you, I'll show you how to make all the bread. Mm. And this guy, his name's Dan Malahan, um, uh, really amazing chef. He's actually about to open next month this place called Driftwood Ooh. over in Alki Beach. His new space that he just remodeled and that's tough yeah it's going to be really awesome um but uh he taught he had uh lived in he moved to um oh man i don't want to get this wrong but i'm pretty sure he went to italy okay <laughs> um uh and he learned how to uh, bake bread and when we were like talking he he had this uh he had developed this recipe for brioche that we made these buns and rider that i made thousands and thousands of these buns it's mm. uh and it because it was like really popular it was like uh four pull apart buns and they have like a they put a bunch of crab on top with crab butter and you dip these buns in crab butter and it's like so so good um but he's like uh he's like we used to make these like long sort of baguettes um it's like i think i think it'll work the same way and we did we did a lot of experimenting together, mm-hmm. like just yeah. him and I. Like it was like a lot of different weights, a lot of different things. And I discovered that this like 
specific pan that we use in kitchens like all the time. Uh, it, it, it's 13 inches wide. And so we're like, we just, we figured, oh man, you know, we just bake the bread in this 13 inch pan and, you know, put them next to each other. So they proof. And it was a lot of experimenting with different weights and different spacing and amounts of buns in the pan. Um, but they, they baked up, we eventually got it to where they bake up perfectly and they're the exact width to fit in this box. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, and when you know when they bake up to thirteen inches, bread always kind of shrinks just a little bit, and uh, so they just fit in the box just perfectly, twelve inches. Um, wow, you gotta big foot long. It got to be a foot long, you know. So that was the whole. That was kind of like really important. It's like got got at least uh, fill the box and mm. have them foot long. So what is that thing from Starbucks where they were saying they're bread wasn't considered bread because there's like too much sugar in it. So I think is... I, I think I've heard someone say that about um Subway's <laughs> bread too. I don't I don't really know what I don't really know what their what their deal is. I don't want to speak on that cuz it's kind of like, you know, for, I've seen, you know, frozen uh I I've, I've done some experiments with frozen freezing my buns. Mm. Because what they what you see just because of what I've seen and I don't really know anything about Subway but yeah. I had this I did this experiment I do tons of experiments all the time but I did this experiment because I had seen what you see when you go to Subway sometimes you see them put in their their bread is in a proofing mm. thing and then they bake it but um, I think I've been there early in the morning and I, I, I saw their, I saw that they were frozen and I'm like, Oh, they'd probably keep them frozen. They don't, they're, they're not in there making dough right? and then proofing it and then smashing it and then proofing it and then making these bread. It's like, it's already been done. And what they do is they freeze it before it has a chance to proof. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I wonder what happens if I do that, you know, and they actually worked really well. So hmm. it's an interesting thought to be like, okay, well, you know, if I can freeze these, I can like, kind of like do like a thing where I sell them in the store, you know, and people can take them to their, I can make buns and they can, yeah. people can take them and proof them at their house and, you know, just little, you know, I'm just doing an experiment. Just yeah, to, that's awesome. So what is, what is the difference between your bread versus a different type of bread you can even get at a store or something. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's baked fresh. Mm. Um, mine, I do like an overnight proof in the fridge. Cause like, you know, you can make, you can make these, this recipe from scratch, but it's just more, it just, it develops flavor more when it, it's like an overnight slow proof. Mm. And it's also helpful because like you want to show up in the morning and you want to be ready to, you know, form your buns and and then be proofed and then baked and ready to be served at night mm. um, instead of showing up and mixing and starting from scratch. So it just kind of like helps you get prepped for the next day to go ahead and make your bread the night before, your, your dough the night before too. But I, but I like the flavor. You, I can taste a better different, a, a, a difference and I like it better when it's like, in the fridge overnight and it's and it's had time to kind of like prove slowly yeah so there's, there's like an art to making bread there is an art to making bread it's really fun and it's really like for me i'm like a uh, kind of like a, a numbers kind of guy mm. and so it's all about like uh baking in general you know is all about a numbers kind of game right and, you know 
you can you can adjust you can go if you keep track of your numbers you can adjust it if you don't like it and then you can you know take little notes and it's kind of like scientific. Right, right. You feel like a scientist when you're doing baking. 100%. A lot of stuff has to be like super exact. Yeah. I like that too. So then how about the hot dogs? How did you figure out like your recipe for hot dogs? So I don't make my own hot dogs. I um, uh, I, I use Olympia Provisions right. out of Portland. Oh, dope. Yeah. So you keep it in the PNW though. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I actually like to use a lot of... Um, I, I'm kind. Of, I want to market too, since, like you said, like the Bigfoot is like a Pacific Northwest sort of thing, mm. and it's also like the type of thing that um real that tourists really like. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're like traveling, like yeah, I even noticed when I when I we we drove from San Diego up to here, I stopped by like two different places, and it was like on the like stuff on the side of the row for like people entering in Portland and then people entering in Seattle type of thing, you mm-hmm. know, and they are tons of like Bigfoot stuff. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is like, this is what like the tourists like really love. So I think that I'd like to, my, and my vision is like, we're like down in Pike's place, you know, and I got these like foot long boxes that have these like shiny stickers on top or like sometimes I do uh, this like bright pink stamp, you know, mm. I eventually want the, those like bakery boxes, those pink bakery boxes, yeah, yeah. you know, um, those are like, I've been working on trying to get that, uh, but it's like a custom, it's a really expensive custom thing. Then I have to order like 10,000 of them mm. uh, for it to be like affordable. Um, but, uh, that's like my ideal box, but what it is, is like that thing, like in Portland, you have voodoo donuts and you see right. someone walking around with that bright pink box and you're like, what, what is that? You know? And it's like, oh, these are donuts from Portland, uh, from, a uh, uh, voodoo, do- voodoo mm-hmm. donuts, you know? And you're like, oh damn, I gotta get some of that. That the looks, branding. that looks cool. So my idea is like, I'd love to be like down in uh Pike's place and, we're like got these uh pink bakery boxes, but they have hot dogs in them. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's all about the bake, the fresh baked bread, you know. And people are like, "What in the world is that?" Like they're walking around with these like pink boxes, and what? And it's like a taste of like the Pacific Northwest. So it's like, you know, yeah, I, I do make all of my like bolognese and all of my condiments, and I bake my own bread, but like my ice cream has like chunks from anchorhead coffee mm. and has uh, chunks from uh uh, uh low rider cookie company and are those all those are all pnw or these are all oh, yeah. seattle people that's dope and then my mustard is from ballard mustard company and um my uh my uh my sauerkraut is from uh the these people called baked in bosnia they're a local um uh uh, they they just it's more than a bakery because they make all kinds of uh, Bosnian food, um, but uh, I I like work with them to have to they make this uh, stuff called rotkol. It's okay. this uh, purple sauerkraut. Oh what! And it's delicious. Oh, and I'm like good. I'm like I don't want to even ask for that recipe. I just want to pay you to just make it for me all the time. And people love that stuff too. Uh, but so like it's like a, a taste of Seattle too to kind of like give the tourists like an example of like all of the kind of like delicious foods, especially like the, the, um, cause like the, the bakeries in my mind, like Seattle, when I first came here, I was like, I never seen so many cool bakeries mm-hmm. before. 
with like really fancy bakeries like temple pastries like they and and um uh, bakery nouveau and you're just like man these i, I just want to eat pastries all the time um so like I, I my idea is like freezing those and putting them in ice cream gives us a chance to like have them you know fresh for longer or like you know they could we could ship these out to people you know these flavors like mm -hmm. uh, bigfoot's birthday bash yeah <laughs> you know they you know all my pints come with a, a sticker that you peel off of it too and can like put on stuff hell yeah i, I think i chose the right guy to be here it seems like you're <laughs> all about highlighting seattle culture so that's yeah. awesome so with a name like uh bigfoot longs do you believe in bigfoot no, <sighs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I, I, you know, it's it sucks to like, you know, when you're seeing them now, and you're just like, man, the the mystery. Like when I was a kid, I definitely believed in Bigfoot. Mm. Um, but now you see all these videos, and you're like, man, that suit looks so <laughs> fake. Like, um, uh, I love the folklore of it, and uh, just the whole. I I'm obsessed with Bigfoot, not mm. like not gonna lie, because I I you know I write children's books too. What I have a pub I have a published children's book, a self published children's book on uh, Amazon, uh, called um, uh, Vampire Vampiricorn. It's about about a unicorn that gets bitten by a vampire, and I write a lot of children's books. <clears throat> I have like several stories that I'm working on, but uh, I wrote this uh, one. I wrote a whole whole story about this one bigfoot uh called uh it's called buckfoot and it's a bigfoot that uh starts growing horns and it's all about how like the bigfoot there's like a bunch of bigfoot and they live in these caves underground and it's like a whole community you know but in this one special one starts growing horns and um but it's uh you know all about it. We won't, we won't, we're not going to get into Bigfoot. That's, uh, you know, keep that one secret. You might have to look for that in the future, how it ends, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I love Bigfoot. And uh, it's actually been like, uh, like ever since like Harry and the Hendersons, I've always thought it was like a cool like story, mm -hmm. you know. So what is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be like human or is he supposed to be like supposed a monkey? Supposed to be kind of what? like a... Like the missing link, you know, like a like a like a ultimate Cro Magnum, you know, mm -hmm. or like a, a caveman sort of thing that like I, I think, you know. Yeah. This big, you know, creature, half man, half something else, you know. Harry something. Harry something. <laughs> Just grew hair all over his body. I wonder I need to figure out the do you know anything about like why it's supposed to be based in the pacific northwest is it just because we have a lot of trees or that's actually not even that's not even the case oh. like it uh, there's bigfoot it's like america in different places and i can only speak for georgia where i've lived and portland and seattle but um uh bigfoot's in georgia too hmm. yeah Interesting. And then Yeti's kind of like Bigfoot too i'm guessing yeti is like a snow bigfoot okay yeah he like lives in the snow <laughs> the abominable snowman you know hell yeah 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 bigfoot's bigfoot's dope I, I love all the lore and stuff around around him do you know you know about you have to know about that law that you can't kill bigfoot if you see him in the in the i, I mean i would hope that if you see bigfoot you're not going to try to shoot it it's a real law it's, yeah that's craziness uh well i'm i'm happy for it i'm a proponent <laughs> <I'm> a... <laughs> why why would you just shoot bigfoot <laughs> 
<laughs> Very true. So, do you know? Do you know of Henry, the 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 artist in Seattle? Yeah, I do know him. That's it's cool because he has the he. I think one of his main guys he draws is like the Bigfoot character. I think I think I have seen a couple of that, a couple of those. Yeah, because I um, he's like I have not met him yet, but he's like one of my favorite artists in the Seattle area. He does, you know, all those like cool animals with like the huge eyes. Yeah, I've seen and, him all over. Yeah. yeah, and it's like all over Seattle, all the way up to like Bellingham mm-hmm. and. Mount Rainier and yeah. it's cool that his his mascot um is seen like is even have you been to like Flatstick Pub by any chance? No. It's like a miniature golf mini golf course that's also a bar. And okay. it's sick. There's a few of them throughout Seattle and Henry does all the artwork for all of the nice. places and in the one in South Lake Union, there's a huge Bigfoot character he's made and you have to like golf underneath his legs. Sick. So what it what what makes you what makes your Bigfoot stand out compared to other Bigfoot car- cartoons? Um. Well, I mean, he's making hot dogs. He's got a little. He's got a little wiener dog sidekick. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know, not not you know a lot of. Uh, I've never seen uh, Bigfoot with a sidekick before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my logo is like Bigfoot walking a wiener dog. Mm-hmm. So, um. I think that that's one way. I had the uh, actual logo uh, designed by a really good friend of mine, a, a popular uh, uh, artist, uh, tattoo artist in uh, San Diego. Mm. Very ta- one of the most talented. I, I always gravitate towards people like this guy, and um, like a lot of chefs in Seattle that are multi-talented. Like, oh, yeah. they're really good chefs, but oh man, they're directing a movie. You know, and but this guy, he's like a, a tattoo artist and a really amazing illustrator, graffiti artist, and like, like, I don't know if he's world known, but I know that he fights um, all. He he's traveled to different countries and taught like a special style of fighting that he does. Mm. It's kind of like, I don't want to get it wrong right now. It's. Because I don't, it, I don't think it is jujitsu, but okay. it's like it's it's like a lot of grappling, and it's it's his special style. I'm pretty sure because he's he like teaches people how to do it every now and then, and he and he wins too. Oh, dope. He actually a guy was like breaking into his uh, spot at one point, and uh, he uh, <laughs> fought this guy. <laughs> he didn't really he didn't really fight him. He grappled him. You yeah. know, he's like it's like a it's like a very disciplined thing, but he grappled him and he held him down until the cops came. Oh wow. And he was in the newspaper for that. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But, <clears throat> but yeah, he uh he illustrated uh the logo for me. And uh there's an, another design he did for me as well. It's my um my t shirt design. It's uh Seattle's longest wieners mm-hmm. and it's a, a little wiener dog with a hot dog full of hot dog in its mouth. Um, people love that design and, uh, it, it always sells out cause I do my merch and I, I do like tie dye mm-hmm. shirts mm-hmm. and then we'll print that, uh, wiener dot, see how long as wieners on there. And people just love that design. And I love, I'm starting to like see people wearing it around town, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, Oh, it's cause a bright pink. A lot of them are bright pink or, um, you know, like a purple on black tie dye. So they kind of stand out. That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you officially open, like start doing like pop-up shops in Seattle? So I actually did my first pop-up the week before COVID hit. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was that like to promote that? Was that, what is, yeah. What is it like to even promote like a pop-up shop in Seattle? Is it hard to get your name out there? Or? No. Well, I mean, it, 
it wasn't because I had been I had done so much um, Instagram stuff, mm-hmm. and I had a, a decent amount of following uh, for my uh, Yarns and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to kind of just be like, hey, go follow this other Instagram. And I'm actually, you know, it's like an art show. And I made these, I'm, I've made the menu out of yarn. And I made this, uh, you know, logo, this like, uh, it's like Bigfoot holding a hot dog. And it says Bigfoot lungs. And I lit it with like a neon like light. So it was like a, it was like super legit. Yeah. And so I uh, was talking to um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, his name's Ryan, and he worked for Guitar mm. over at Sugar Hill. She's a chef at Sugar Hill. And he he just like went out on a limb, like how your friends do for you sometimes. And he's like, my buddy's trying to do a pop-up. You think he could do a pop-up here? And uh, she was into it, and I met up with uh, the two of them, and... Um, we just like scheduled a time and I, at the time I hadn't started baking yet. So mm-hmm. I had, I did that while I was like, I need a hundred hot, t- I mean, a hundred buns, you yeah. know? And in the beginning too, I was working with, um, rain shadow meats. Okay. They're like a butcher company here in Seattle. Um, there, it, it was just the only reason why I switched to Olympia Provisions was because it was local uh, or semi-local, but also the it was like a price point thing. Mm-hmm. It was like having them – Olympia Provisions are a bigger thing, and they have like a machine. Got whereas it. Um, uh, um, Rain Shadow Meats are having to make these things and smoke them by hand, you know. And so they were just like – Way, way. I just they're just way they're a lot more expensive. And then mm-hmm. what you'd happen, what you'd have is, you know, I'd have a pop up um, down the line. It, it didn't work because I was doing rain shadow meets for the first couple of times, but you know, not every time people show up and you sell right. out. You know, and then you have like the way you keep hot dogs and like a hot holding sort of thing. You can't just reuse them. You have to throw them away, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're like, okay, I'm throwing $5 away. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, no one, no one showed up to this one. I just threw $300 away. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, so and my decision to switch was just a price point thing and being okay with throwing X away at the end of the night. Right. Um, and eventually, you know, I would love to get to a point where, you know, I'm, you know, I would like to transition maybe a couple of times, like a point to where I am using rain shadow meets again and, and, and it's, uh, and we're able to sell out. So we are like, okay, you know, we, we can justify using a more, a more local place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I have my own place and, you know, I'm like, I'm like my first hiree is someone who's really, really good at, you know, a butcher. Right. right. Um, I'm like, I like a hire a real butcher and be like, all right, we're making our own hot dogs. This is going to be real special. And we get the equipment that we need and we get like an uh, outdoor place where we can smoke, you know? Um, and, but we have the, the bakery stuff too, because we've got to bake our own bread. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we were, we've, we've, transitioned into baking our own bread and that is the next step is making our own hot dogs but um you know when you grow in your business you have to like uh do these types of things and Mm, you take you move forward in steps you don't just go you don't always just get there immediately and uh i like to take my time with things and make sure that i do it right of course do you ever take any inspiration from there's probably other pop-up shops that do this as well but like sugar and spoon have you heard of them 
I have, but tell me more about them. So they're like edible cookie dough, and they have kind of like a super small shop on the Ave, but I think it's been closed for a few months. It got like broken into a few months ago, and they just haven't reopened it. And it was just like a small like window. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically how they make most of their money is they have one or two pop-up food trucks, and on their Instagram and website, they're like, this day, this week, we're going to be here, do, 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 do. And then they just travel around mm-hmm. Seattle doing it that way with a food truck. Have you ever thought of doing it that way or have yeah, you done it that definitely, way? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, food truck is like one of those things that you're, you know, is in the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about food in mm-hmm. general. You know, everybody's like, well, yeah, food truck looks cool and sounds like a good way to make money. Um I am not ready to do I, I yes yes the short answer to your question is mm. yes I definitely want to do a food truck um the the movie chef is like one of my hugest inspirations too oh, just yeah. watch that movie like a million times so inspiring um but uh you know um I need to have like I got to have a John Leguizamo on my team before uh, I like take on a truck, you know? Right. And it's, it's just been me um, doing literally everything since, since the beginning. And, Mm. um, you know, I, I, I'm, I was about to form a team uh, at the four B's, but that kind of fell through Uh, the four B's was, you know, kind of a weird situation where I, I had I was gonna have it for a year, mm. and then I um, the the owners of the building were leasing it to the people that were subleasing it to me, um, and it needed a lot of work. And I went in, and it just kind of like was like, oh man, this needs a lot, a lot of work. And then the next thing you know, uh, the the they were gonna um, renew their lease. And then the owners decided to double the rent, mm. and so they decided to back out. And then, um, so they're just like, "We we don't have the lease. We, we can't really offer you the kitchen anymore." Right. Um, and I just decided to use that opportunity to kind of like just get out and try to make a, a new move and uh, make my next move, which is where I'm at now. What mm. um, currently looking for my next spot. And have you been focused on looking at like the? different resources that are available in Seattle. Like I recently had on uh, Martin Tran who he's like, I think he's the director. I could be wrong. I'm the worst of the titles, mm-hmm. but he's like the director of Seattle restored. And do you know much about like what Seattle restored is? No. So basically there's hundreds of storefronts that have gone under due to COVID and what Seattle restored has done is they work with landlords to get a set lease and then they the Seattle Restore the program covers that lease for 6 months and then if it, if the applicant that got accepted to that storefront is a good fit they extend the lease as well so it's all about making sure these up and coming entre- entrepreneurs and businesses get a place to be in and that they can thrive and it's not like a thing where they're just in there for because everything's covered for the first six months but they don't want you to just go in there six months is up and then you have no idea what to do next you yeah know? so it's yeah. all about building up the wow. so i want to look into that yeah you know the thing with uh like running your own business sometimes you get like lost in the sauce right 100 percent. and i uh i've like 
it's been about like six months where I've been working like every single day. Yeah. And since I'm doing all the prep, it's just like wake up like as early as humanly possible. And then I like throughout the day, I'm just working on, I'm, I, you know, I start with the bread and then it's just like, we need farmer's cheese. We got to get the onions cut. We got to get the blah, blah, blah. And then we got to get blah, blah. And then we got to get the, the place ready, open. We got to change the oil. We got to get the fryer heated up, you know, like, mm. so I, and it's just like, and then it's like service starts. And I was like taking my own orders, going back, making the food, delivering the food, coming back, taking the order. Mm. And I, and I was staying up until 2 a.m. Right. Uh, I was staying up until midnight actually um, right. at the four B's for the first, you know, for three months. Yeah. And then before that I was working at Rose Temple for three months. And before that I was working at uh, um, Alki Beach for four months and we were open every single day for that. Mm -hmm. So it's just been like, I mean, yeah. So it's been more than, you know, it's been almost a year where I've just been working every single day on just getting the food out there. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of like expected. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I was going to be like this and uh, I knew I needed to put in this like hard work um, to, to just uh, get the brand because the because you can't get I gotta get it out there get the brand out there by making the food right I can't just like post on Instagram all the time of the stuff I'm working on people actually have to try the food so they can know that it's delicious and then come back and eat the food and again you know and uh, have return customers um, so when I the the Alki Beach thing, um, my Dan, mm -hmm. the guy that taught me how to make bread, he bought a bar. It was a dive bar, and he makes really really fancy food. And so mm -hmm. he's like, "Can you?" He's like, "I can't. I'm not. I'm not ready to do the re uh, the renovations yet, but we have to be open for like three or four months. You want to run big footlongs for me because I don't want to sell my fine dining, right. you know, stuff." With the, with like the eighteen uh, TV screens playing the Seahawks, you know, yeah. and he's like he wants to do like a nice, uh, you know, we come to dinner and have like a nice experience, you know, and it was like a big sports bar, and I'm like sports bars, you know, people drinking beer, that's my bread and butter because I'm serving hot dogs, yeah, um, so I'm like yeah, dude, I'll, I got you, and so uh, I knew that the Alki Beach thing was going to end after four months, you know, and then the rose temple thing um was like uh kind of like that was going to be like just like a three-month thing too they were looking for someone that could like handle brunch and i i've tried to do brunch for these hot dogs mm -hmm. i have like breakfast and bread yeah and the missing link which is like a sausage link one yeah but i think people get a little daunted mm. for brunch or breakfast when they're like presented with a footlong right you know it's like oh I just woke up right? and it just didn't sell well. So I just didn't really want to do like a brunch thing. Um, and so then the four B's happened and you know, then, then now you're all caught up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. Like I'm already thinking of like ways we can collaborate and people like in my NAS podcast community to connect with, like even something simple, like if I'm throwing like a concert series, you are able to pull up and just make your money off the people that are there. You know what I mean? I mean, I, like that. right now I've got it down to a, uh, like, like all electrical equipment. So I can show up, uh, with my hot dog roller and my steam table and, yeah. my, uh, uh, air fryer toaster oven. So I can toast the buns and do like a small menu just, just about anywhere now. Um, uh, 
So it's not it's not as fun because you know, like I have a big menu, mm-hmm. like I have a huge menu now. I've been drawing, doing these illustrations for, you know, f- four, five or six years now. Yeah. So um, you know, I like to I like to be able to like do my fill. You know, I like to have a flat top so I can do my filly, my fat filly foot. Yeah. And um, you know, I like to have fryers so I can do my my fry out, my poutine routine mm-hmm. stuff. You know, but uh. Um, it's re- it's still really fun to just show up and do like the sauerkraut stretch and the Seattle Sasquatch and the basic big foot long. People still have like a really good time because they're, you know, honestly, it's like one of the with the with the with the baked bread. It's like one of the best you know basic hot dogs you're gonna get anyway. It's like with just with the ketchup and mustard. It's like yeah, come on, it's so good. Yeah, like I could even have imagined you. It passed now. It's gonna start again next summer. But every summer for the past two years, one of my guests and sponsors. Mediums Collective. Um, I was just looking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Mediums Collective, um, like a streetwear brand. They have uh, also, it's also put on by the Martial Law Band. So Mediums and Martial Law Band have this festival called um, Fremont Fridays. And it's in the parking lot of LTD Bar and Lounge. And it's like every Friday in the summer, it's like a pop-up festival where there's a stage where artists are performing and all these pop-up shops are available mm-hmm. to buy stuff from. You know, and it's like free entry, so that encourages you to want to buy stuff that's actually inside the pop-up event. Mm-hmm. So, so things like that. I'm like, I'm thinking about that, and then like different grants you could apply for, and all yeah, that. like so. I'm I'm like kind of there. I'm at that point right now. I uh, so I actually have some free time to actually just think. Yeah. You know, and I was I that was kind of one of my reasons for you know not sticking around for bees. Um, I think the new owners were interested in maybe having me come on, but uh, I was just like, I, I'm not, I don't want to get like, I don't want to go into another situation blindly. Mm-hmm. And um, I need to, I need to like do some official stuff. You know, right. I've been doing other official stuff um, throughout the, that I thought was more important, like getting an accountant and working with my accountant on getting all, all the numbers right. And um, filing all my taxes correctly mm. and getting everything like more legit. And now it's like, okay, now it's more legit. The next thing was to hire some people, right. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, what I'm doing is getting together my portfolio um, of all the stuff that I've been doing and like getting a, a good uh, like visual example of uh, what I'm trying to do, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, look and what I'm actually, I was almost done with it last night, but uh, I think I'll, I'm going to get, I'm going to finish it today. Hell yeah. And um, yeah. And then it's, uh, I'm just going to apply for some grants and um, uh talk to uh the this this guy that you had on your uh martin i'm gonna get his uh information from you after we get off off the uh off the podcast but uh yeah just like now is that time i'm I'm, I'm finally like feeling like i'm there where i want to make some bigger steps 100 you know um oh the other thing about the the food truck too is just like terrified to make that like you know I I bought a I bought a, a Mazda back in 2007 that turned out to be a huge lemon, you know, mm. and I just end up spending a lot of money trying to fix it, you right. know. So I'm like, oof. Imagine trying to do that <laughs> while you're trying to like serve food yeah. and um you know, file for all the stuff that needs to be filed for even being able to serve food, you know, you got to 
check in with the with the city for anywhere you're parking your truck and mm -hmm. anywhere you're serving food you know um and then you're like oh but i also need to go fix the carburetor someone's you know broke into the window last night which happens literally all the time like yeah. you literally those things like i'm pretty sure like a lot of the people that i know that are like that have food trucks are like yeah, we gotta we have we're having to park our food truck inside like Constantino wire fenced in like mm -hmm. junkyard type places, you know, with junkyard dogs out there because people, you know, looking for a free you know for a buck or whatever, just breaking windows left and right. Yeah, I'm sure you're aware with. Hundred percent. I you know, uh, I think you said someone broke into that place down the street. Yeah, you know? and when I was uh, I used to work for Moving ninety two point five in their promotions department. And whenever we took like a truck out to go to like festivals or concerts, they literally have it. They're like a, their station truck or whatever in a, like a, like a storage facility type deal. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So on any level, you kind of, you got to think about that type of stuff. So for sure. Yeah. But like the more you're like, you're more tapped into whatever community and you're able to talk to other mom and pop shops or yeah, event yeah. throwers or whatever. I have a lot it, of places where I like, Honestly, like if I if I had a food truck, a big old pink food truck, yeah. you know, with big foot lungs and you know, my uh, I I thought about it a lot, you know. This is like my little little illustrations on the side like an ice mm -hmm. cream truck, you yeah. know. Why well, you see those and then it's like, man, people would love that. Yeah. And I could just I already know like a a couple of breweries and places that have been like we're like you want to show, you know, show up and like, yeah, I, I don't have like mm. all the equipment, but like if I had a food truck, I could just roll up, you know? So I think I could do really well yeah. in this city if I, if I got a food truck 100%. Um, and it is, you know, it's definitely, it's up, it's in the top of my brain, you know, but it's like, it's like right there level with like getting a really cool place. That's mm -hmm. like a, you know, you know, a food truck almost makes more sense because, like, you know, Bigfoot's kind of, like, elusive, you mm -hmm. know, and you don't know where he is, you know. So if it was a food truck, it's like, where is the food truck, you know. Um, but uh, I do like having uh, a place. Yeah. Where just, I can, like, a home base. 100%. Just being, like, portable and stuff as well as just having both type of deals is cool. Like, yeah. I, I have, like multiple studios I'm recording out of, but then I also have any equipment you see here. I also have at my house. So I'm able to take that on the road or yeah. I'm going on tour or whatever, you know? So it's always cool to have something like that to, to just one up other businesses who don't yeah. have that type of deal. And it's, again, it's like the, you know, taking steps when you can get to those steps, mm -hmm. not trying to skip a step. You 100%. Know? It's like, if I have a food truck, I bake my own bread. I can't, I'm not going to be able to bake my bread out of the food truck. I'm mm -hmm. going to have to have a place. Yeah. Well, if I just have a place that I'm just making bread for the food truck, that place doesn't make any money. The food truck makes money. Mm -hmm. But if I have a restaurant and then I get the food truck afterwards, the restaurant can make money and the food truck can make money. 100%. And we make the bread in the restaurant. So that was, that's kind of like my thought of like how I think I want it to go right? is like, let's not like have something that's not an asset. Let's have two things that are an asset instead of one thing that's not. And one thing that is, have you ever thought of that? I don't know. 
how people do it, but a lot of like influencers over the pandemic, they came out with like restaurants that were in other restaurants, like the the satellite the, the mobile thing. Yeah, yeah. Like Mr. Um, Beast does that and stuff. Like yeah, how I kinda, feasible kinda, are those things? That's kind of what I've been doing. Got you it. You know, like uh, so I you know took basically was like a satellite restaurant at um uh, even though I didn't leave mm-hmm. uh, at uh Four B's and um Rose Temple and uh, uh Alki Beach. Got it. That's pub and eatery. You know, I did a couple, I did a lot, of, actually did, I was, it was exactly that at 4Bs. I did a lot of pop-ups while I was at 4Bs at mm. other places. I'm, I was working my ass off yeah. at 4Bs. Um, like serving food, but doing prep for a pop-up that like I ended up realizing that Sundays and Mondays were like completely dead over mm-hmm. there at that bar. And so I closed on Sundays and Mondays, but started planning pop-ups on Sundays and Mondays. And I would pop up at like Fair Isle and Fremont Brewery. Um, Popped up a few times at Fair Isle and Fremont Brewery once. It was really fun. Well, I I like your restaurant idea. I think it's dope. I think it's, I'm happy to have had you on the show to talk more about it. Um, Where where, where can people find uh, the restaurant now or can they order online or what's the deal with it right now? Um, right now, like I said, I'm just uh, trying to plan my next move, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get into a space or get into a place where I can be in a spot for a solid amount of time, mm-hmm. so that I can start hiring people and uh, getting like start forming a real team. Um, uh, so uh, just look, follow me on Instagram, and uh, go on my website, and there's a mailing list. Get on the mailing list, and uh, I'll keep. Y'all updated on where you can spot the elusive Bigfoot longs Hell yeah. out there in the city. And what is some final advice you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers? You know, just keep trying. Just keep on going forward and, uh, you know, yeah, don't uh, – you know what's better for you better than anybody else. So uh, if you think you have, like, a really cool idea, then you should do that idea. Hell, yeah. This has been the NAST Podcast with – Jeff Fred. And we did it.